Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in the industry. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to break into the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you to achieve your goals. In today's episode, we feature Rob Bohan, the owner of the streetwear and sneaker boutique August, located in Madison, Wisconsin. Over the last five years, August has grown into a creative incubator and fashion staple within the community. Today, we'll learn about Rob's experiences that led him to Europe, New York, and Detroit, and back to his hometown to open up his shop. We'll focus on Rob's time as a sales rep for the Foundation Showroom and Puma, to his time at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and his love for the community-driven city. This is the August Forum. Hello, Rob. How are you doing? I'm good, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You want to introduce yourself a little bit here, who you are, the shop itself, and what yeah. you're cooking up here? Absolutely. Yeah. So I own August. We're a streetwear and sneaker shop here in Madison, Wisconsin. We opened up at the end of 2017, so we're coming up on our five-year anniversary. Yeah, man, I'm just happy we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of while you're appreciative that you're here, I think the first question I really wanted to ask you is the conception of August itself, you know, the brand and the storefront itself and kind of that journey that started almost five years ago. Sure. Yeah, so I've been working in this industry in one capacity or another for coming up on 15 years, primarily in uh, wholesale and brand management. So I had the opportunity to travel all over the country and visit stores, independent stores, department stores, you name it, everything in between. But again, I had the opportunity to go all over the country and visit all these towns and cities. And some of them kind of reminded me of Madison, you know, these smaller cities and flyover states. But they might have been located in a college campus or just in an area where maybe there was college plus a handful of like Fortune 500 companies around that city that kind of supported the economy and industry there. I saw some of these independent stores in these smaller cities thriving, and it kind of just planted the seed for me to start thinking about Madison. And at the time, when I really started thinking about opening the shop, I had a job already working at Puma. So I had like a, what people would consider to be like a good corporate job. And I was living outside of Detroit at the time. So it was in my mind, but I kind of thought there was an opportunity here. And as the years kind of passed by, I, I was just kind of thinking, it was stuck in the back of my head. And I kept thinking to myself, man, someone's going to open up something in Madison eventually with the university here, its proximity to Chicago and Milwaukee, and with all the students who come here from overseas and, and from New York and LA and with the internet making the world flat and people now not necessarily having to live in a big city to get hooked into what's going on in fashion. You know, it kind of made things a little bit more equal and help people in smaller cities still have the opportunity to get the information. So provided you got Wi-Fi and the drive to want to learn about fashion and sneakers and streetwear, you can do it from anywhere at this point. You don't necessarily have to be in LA or New York to have access to those kinds of brands and concepts and ideas and stuff like that. So, so that's really how it started. I just saw an opportunity here in Madison. And this also being my home city, I was born and raised here. I went here, I went to the UW. So I just thought it was a great opportunity to move back home as well and, and kind of plant my roots. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we talked about, we're going to talk a little bit about your history in Madison and kind of how you grew up here and how you know this city. So that positions you well to open up a store like August here in Madison. And you talk about the opportunity of being able to do it in a city that's not in LA, a East Coast, West Coast town, I think, where streetwear really thrives in the U.S., do you think that placing yourself, especially in a state such as Wisconsin, that isn't really known for the active streetwear culture, do you think that positions you well in comparison to some of your competitors? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be pros and cons of each, right? So one of the pros of being in a place like Madison is that I also know that there's no other, well, there's no other streetwear stores in Madison, no other sneaker stores in Madison, at least well, now there's been some resellers that have popped up and stuff. But prior to that, no true retail business is operating with these kinds of brands. Not in Madison. There's a couple in Milwaukee, but you know that's an hour and a half away. So just from getting brands, and we might touch back on this later, me being a sales rep for as long as I was, I already know what the first, second, and third questions are going to be when you're going to be approaching a sales rep to go get a brand, right? Well, first off, is your store open? And if it's not open, you're probably going to get a bunch of closed doors right away. Mm -hmm. If you are in the process of doing your build out, they're going to want to know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, they're probably going to ask where you are. Going back to me choosing Madison, where are you opening? That could stop the conversation right off a rip. Because if I tell you that I'm going to go to Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a bunch of no's because Mm -hmm. there's already a shop there, Mm -hmm. corporate. Mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, right? Yep. So they don't need to have two. Actually, there's two shops in Cincinnati, but corporate's one of them. I already knew Madison would be a good choice in that respect, right? Just because, okay, well, there's no one in Madison. I don't deal with anyone in Madison. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. What's your store going to look like? Yeah. So at that point, you know, you would send over renderings or concepts because you haven't opened yet. And so I think just with my relationships in the industry, being mm-hmm. a sales rep for as long as I have, I already knew a lot of the sales reps Mm -hmm. and I already knew whether they're sales reps or brand owners, or if I didn't know them personally through six degrees of separation, I probably know somebody who does so I could get an introduction. So I was getting not a lot of pushback right from the beginning, which is usually some of the hardest getting the good brands right when you open is probably one of the hardest things to do as a new boutique owner, especially if you've never been in the industry before. That was one of my main reasons for wanting to come to Madison too, is that I felt like there would be a little bit more opportunity to like get a lot more yeses than noes. But being in a smaller city like this versus being in a larger city is just going to be the amount of income people make here. So being open in a larger city, whether it's Chicago, there's going to be a lot more people making a lot of money. You have a little bit more, I don't know, runway to play around with brands. For example, could I sell Marnie? Yeah. In Madison? Yeah. Or even Stone Island? Even like a Bodie. A Bodie at full price? A full price. It's a more difficult conversation to have with that. Right. So you were kind of asking like, what would be the pros and cons? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to be limited in the type of brands that I can get. And yeah. even just the volume, because I mean, Madison's a small city. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're dealing with big, more people. So you're just going to turn over more product. You got more opportunity to sell more and more yep. and more. But all those big cities are spoken for. Yeah. For the most part. And I'm from here. Yeah. So this is authentic to me. Yeah. You have Um, your roots settled here. Everything comes from Madison. Yeah. Right. So there's benefits to it. But again, then we jump into the whole e-commerce conversation. So 
that's how you can kind of like start to level that playing field. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. now, you know, we can ship to anybody, anywhere, no matter yeah. how deep your pockets are or where you live. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, it's like we also are August Holds acronym, which is a very much people can come into the shop and they can pick up a jacket and be like, wow, a grand for this acronym jacket. But the fact is that- Two grand. Two grand. <laughs> 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 but the fact is that August can then ship it worldwide to a whole different country. And that opens up the market a little bit more. But if we talk about the storefront of August, mm -hmm. is that something that you embrace is like Madison is very much kind of known for its college of UW-Madison and kind of the youth culture of that. Mm -hmm. Is that something that August embraces in terms of the fact that we have all these younger people and these people that love streetwear that come from a different generation than others? Is that something that you love to embrace or how does that work in comparison to your competitors if you were to open up in like a Cincinnati or even on either coast mm -hmm, here? Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I think that using your store as a platform for other things to generate community involvement is not something that's new. Mm -hmm. Most of the best retailers in the business have been doing that for a while now. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I just thought of I was the first person to start doing these <laughs> educational pop. No, absolutely not. And there's people who are doing it and do it better than I do. But I think that with being in a college town where you do have the majority of our end consumers are college students with streetwear and sneakers kind of like attracting creatives and things like that, yeah. you do have a little bit more of an opportunity to do these types of activations. I've done activations with the, U, with the UW, with screen printing classes, mm -hmm. with branding classes. I've done talks about entrepreneurialism and so on. So I think that, again, having this end consumers already thirsty for knowledge, mm -hmm. they're in an environment already where they're here to learn. And mm -hmm. so I think that having a store like mine and being able to have access to somebody like myself who's, I'm not going to tell you the textbook version yeah. of entrepreneurialism or brand building. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how this is going to work. Like, so after you're done and you take all your exams and you read all the the textbook stuff, well, I'm going to tell you how this is really going <laughs> to... How the shit's really going to be done, basically. Yeah, yeah, how this is going to kind of really shake out for you once yeah. you're finished. Yeah, so I really do enjoy that. And I think it's fun. I think it's cool. And, and I do believe that our customers are appreciative of that and the stuff that we do for sure. Yeah. And we're going to touch on later about your touch and hold on Madison and UW-Madison. Mm -hmm. But let's take it back years. So when you mm -hmm. were a student at UW-Madison, mm -hmm here. Mm -hmm. You were the music and events coordinator for Wood Music here, <laughs> a, a very special thing that many students yeah. know here on campus. Mm -hmm. How did that experience, now we're going to touch on the innovation of August and the different avenues August goes on, is how did that experience of being that music and events coordinator and that love of reggae music and Prince Crucial, how did that lead you to create August Ox here? Yeah, so I think it was my senior year in college and I just was kind of like, I probably had some extra bandwidth to do some more just things that interested me just outside of school, just because I was probably wrapping up. I don't remember what my schedule looked like back then, but I remember it was my last year and I got involved with Wisconsin Union Directorate. And then I also got involved with the hip hop generation, which sadly doesn't exist anymore. But at the time, it was one of the biggest hip hop conferences in the country. People listening probably won't believe that, but it's true. We had stars coming from people like Wu-Tang to Immortal Technique and, you know, Ernie Panicoli and I think Gangstar came through. Who else? Chuck D. I mean, 
and we had panel discussions. It was a whole weekend long and you could go to panel discussions, you could go to Q and A's. And then on the weekends, there'd be venues all over the city that would host hip hop events. Yeah. It was sick. The year that, that I did it, one of my childhood favorite hip hop groups of all time, Black Moon and Smith and Wesson from boot camp was, was here. And I got to pick them up from the airport. I remember I was just like, <laughs> Sean Price was in my car and I was just- Were you anxiously like nervous, like driving to your car? Like, oh, I shit, this really happened. Dude, I, like... just, I just couldn't believe it, you know? <laughs> it was not, but anyways, so yeah, I got involved in that. And I think that the way that I always viewed music, especially when you're looking at genres like jazz and hip hop and reggae, I mean, music in general. I mean, music in general is an equalizer, man. Oh, art, absolutely. Art yeah. is an equalizer. Absolutely. At least it should be. I mean, that's probably a more in-depth conversation. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole can of worms. That the equity in, in music and art. But at least for people sharing those things. Mm -hmm. Maybe the industry is not, but I, I don't know. I can't speak to it. But at least the sharing of those platforms, yeah. it can bring people together. It can open up someone's eyes to something new that they never we're really aware of in terms of just looking at like jazz, for example, and learning about the history of jazz and it being one of the only true American art forms Yeah, and its influence into hip hop. And you look at the reggae and you look at that influence of hip hop culture and there's a, so much information you can get to dealing with these histories. And again, going back to just the end listener now just being more involved in a diverse community of music lovers. So it's just always kind of like stuck with me. I mean, even since I was a kid, I loved music, and I, but I specifically liked anything that was underground. Yeah. I didn't want anything that was pop, mm. really. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and I think that streetwear certainly kind of is that yeah. version of that underground music culture, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's punk or ska or reggae or hip hop, like, you know, streetwear in its beginnings were, were that thing when you were going up against all these brands like your Gaps and your Tommy Hilfiger's yeah. and, and so on and so forth. So it just always interested me in, in that respect. And I think kind of tying that in, when I lived in New York, I volunteered for New York Cares, mm -hmm. which is just like a, it's a volunteering platform. I mean, you could do anything from teaching kids how to swim to like catwalking. Mm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was it, anything under the sun. And I did that for about three years. And I think that it really... I just enjoyed mentoring. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. And so I think that that also kind of ties in with my reason for wanting to like continue to do that like, yeah. through the shop. Interesting, yep. When and if I can. So I don't know if that answered your question at all, but I think that it's like those two things helped to create this whole idea of doing August Ox. Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, August Ox is our music brand banner. So we do in-store DJ sets once a month. We probably put out one to two mixtapes a month on SoundCloud and Spotify that either are original mixes that we do or we reach out to DJs. Man, we have DJs from Germany, Japan, yeah. London. And then we also reach out to our brand partners too, and we'll have them send us tracks that they want on, on their mixtape. So we've done them with Cool Calm Studios, Lo-Fi out of Australia. Yeah. Yep. Alex James over at Pleasures mm -hmm. did one. We mix it and we put those mixtapes out. So I think that in trying to find a way to do something that's organic yeah. and that's authentic yep. for me, this was the thing for me to do Yeah. versus for me to do, believe it or not, I wouldn't consider myself a true sneakerhead, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
So for me to do a sneaker head or a sneaker pop up or yeah, you know, like, that, a, like a complex con that's that, kind of a very popular like sneaker oriented type beat. Right. That wouldn't be necessarily authentic to me. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, in a business standpoint, from but a, sure. But for me, that wouldn't have been something that's authentic to like yeah. what my personality yeah. is. So I think that that's, you know, another reason why I decided to lean into this August. That's our thing. Yeah. You know, and I don't see, it's not that other retailers don't do mixtapes. I've seen them. Bodega does them, RSVP yep. Gallery. Although I, I haven't seen them put out a mixtape in a while. I, I don't think, maybe someone can correct me, but I don't see anyone doing mixtapes mm-hmm. the way that we do them. Yep. Every month. And the consistency. And spanning genres from hip hop to deep house to techno to reggae to alt rock to... Japanese city pop. Japanese city pop. I mean, yeah, that's the one we did with Beautiful. Yep. So again... That's something that I feel like, I'm not going to go far and say we own that, but that's something that we do. That, Interesting. That I feel as more people start to learn about it, they'll see like, oh, wow, they got 50 mixtapes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Spanning the years. So that was kind of like my reasoning for wanting to pour some gas on that concept. Pour yeah. some gas on that. Having the opportunity to speak with Rob, I felt the oozing sense of experience within our conversation. Not only has he been an industry professional, but a mentor to not only those within the store, but the Madison community and to enriching people and culture. Rob used his refining knowledge to achieve a pipe dream of opening a streetwear boutique and his ability to converse with brands using his experience of brand management and having traveled across the country seeing other storefronts and their operations allowed him to position his brand ahead of others. We ourselves all use our ability to conversate with others every day in any way we can to order our coffee, to answer a question in a class we're not really paying attention to, or to even call those we haven't seen nor talking to in a while. Any way we can in any form, we all use our ability to converse every day. But Rob's skill and knack of conversing with those alike grants him to speak with brands in the community of Madison as a way to give and receive knowledge, from classes in art and business opening the door for local DJs to showcase their work, he allowed the conversation to be greater than just the brand. That separation of listening and talking rewards him in elevating the community that gave him so much. You talked about how August Ox is very much you, and that's how you love to do something like this is because it speaks on you and the brand itself. Mm -hmm. And the presence of August in the city of Madison is basically been unmatched by any shop in Madison (laughs) specifically here. I would, I think many people (laughs) would definitely say that. Is that a feature you find important? That visual aspect of the storefront and kind of the way you present yourself to the end consumers Mm -hmm. and the way you present yourself to the general community of Madison. Like how important is that positioning and that, visual aspect of the store to you. It's very important. And that kind of goes back to one of the other elements that I was talking about in getting your shop open. Well, I know what sales reps and brands are going to want to see. Yeah. Number one. But also just for me, from just an aesthetic standpoint, you know, I'm by no stretch someone who's super educated in interior design or someone, I wouldn't even consider it a hobby, but I do enjoy it and I do follow it to a certain degree. So even for myself, I wanted to make sure that my shop, mm. I didn't want to have a store that uh, it looks good for Madison. Yeah. No, yeah. I wanted to, to be, this shop could exist in any, 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 you pick it up and you place it anywhere, anywhere else and it would, it would fit. Right. And I was validated in that just time after time again, especially after we first opened and we yeah. did have, you know, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of students from bigger cities and all over the country and all over the world really. And people time and time again, 
oh man, this is amazing. I never would have thought I'd seen a shop yeah, like this beautiful here. Beautiful store, you know. You yeah. know, th- I live in LA. I could see this down in wherever. But Sunset Boulevard, yeah, just a random, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Venice or, or, or man, I just was studying abroad in, in Copenhagen. Like, yeah. Dude, this store could easily have lived in that city. So I think that we did a good job with that and constantly fine tuning it. And I would love to redo the whole shop, to be honest with you, but <laughs> that definitely does not, I don't, well, we'll just put the, put the brakes on that for a little while. But, um, <laughs> no need for gas on that one. No, but that's something, I mean, you do, and, and stores do this. After a little while, it's time to shake it up a shake little bit. Shake it up a little bit, yeah. Add in some new fixtures and so on. But yeah, no, it's super important for a lot of different reasons, yeah. I mean, yeah, with especially the storefront, and we discuss how the store looks for the consumers, but mm-hmm. also they care about the brands in it. And time after time, you kind of do these shakeups that you said before of different brands. As a former account executive at Puma, at the foundation. Could you give insight on the dichotomy of being an account executive and interacting with different storefronts to now being a actual storefront interacting with these accounts and these reps and kind of how that having to shake up the brands time to time, how that is important to you now and what that was like for you? Yeah. So I'll answer that in like two parts. So I think that, again, me being a sales rep, for as long as I what I kind of speak the language, mm. so to say. Yeah. So in interacting with these brands, whether it's me presenting just simply an email, mm-hmm. outlining why I want to get X brand that you carry, I already know what needs to be in that email. Interesting. Yeah. I know exactly what they're going to want to know, uh-huh. the touch points they're going to want to see and hear yeah. about. So I already kind of got and it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what to put in that email, but uh-huh. I already exactly know exactly what they're going to want to hear. So that kind of gives you a leg up a little bit. And then in terms of, yeah, when I first opened the shop, and everyone does this, and people do this who are established, you know, you're going to look at the who's who, who's who? of retailers, and then you're going to, I want to try to get this brand. I want to try to get that brand because, yeah. you know, they have it and so on and so forth. And I was doing that too in the beginning. And of course, we still do it. I just look to different places for my inspiration now. Interesting. For for brand mix outside of just like the who's who, because everyone's looking at the who's Who's who. Who's who, yeah. And it kind of dawned on me a couple of years ago, everyone's website looked the same. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's brand mix was identical. You couldn't, from one to the other. You couldn't differentiate and like, why not? If you just, yeah, yeah. You just looked at so, and I'm thinking, well, here I am at that time, probably like a three-year-old company. So an infant baby and, you know, my e-commerce. <laughs> how to walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my e-commerce isn't established yet. I'm still kind of like trying to figure that part out. Yep, yep. So I'm like, what benefit is it going to be to me to carry all these brands that all of these heavy hitters yep. already mm-hmm. carry? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the third page of the Google search yeah, before exactly. someone eventually gets to me. Gets to you. So, exactly. so I started thinking about, all right, well. What are some underground brands yeah, as we touched on before? Yeah, exactly. So when people are going right, I want to go left instead of just, oh, well, this brand's popular right now. Why not? And so, yeah. yeah. And sometimes, all right, so what? Maybe it's popular, but I also got to pay the bills too. Exactly. So, you know, you kind of just got to figure out what that balance is for yourself. And then again, you want to bring in brands that are authentic to like what your retail story is. Exactly. So I'm not going to name any brands, but there are certain brands I just won't carry. I know they're popular and Mm -hmm. shit. I even know just from speaking to my friend that they're selling. Yeah. 
but I'm not going to bring it in. You're not going to bring it in because it, you know that's not going to be the same values. It just doesn't, doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't fit us. It's not. They can have that. You know, not yeah. that I'm permitting them, but like you know, <laughs> that's their thing. That's their so thing. Yeah, let them do that, and, and we then find, you do your. We thing. find our thing exactly. Yeah. So. Could you give a few brands like, you know, I don't know if you want to speak on that, but what are some of those brands that you have brought in that not everybody has and that you appreciate that they speak to your statement, your mission statement as August? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say even though we don't get to bring it in a lot because their business is not really based on wholesale. Yeah. But being able to bring in fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Was so dope to me yeah that was i mean that's one of the og streetwear brands i mean it's arguably i mean them and stussy and yeah. like fresh jive arguably one of the most important brands mm-hmm. to create this whole industry yeah the way that eric brunetti has done you know it's <laughs> kind of in and out and he's just got this cult following of people that are yeah. just ride or die and you know it's super like aggressive and it's really unique and not very many people carry it. So yeah. like I said, it's not a brand that we just carry season to season. No, it's just kind of like whenever they yeah. are able to do something, they send us an opportunity. So that's, that'd be one. It's like a, if you know, you know type of brand. And it's like the people that know they ride and die for that brand, yeah. which is what's crazy about how streetwear is, is brands after brands can cycle through, but then yet there are still some brands like fuck, like Stussy with those cult cult followings, yeah. which is which is interesting to kind of, see in this ever-growing industry. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you got brands like Iggy New York that's yeah. really cool, and I think it's cool at least, and it definitely comes from this art, and Jack, the guy who owns it, has been like a video, you know, he's done short films, and mm-hmm. he's an artist himself. He's deeply involved with, like, the people in the art community and his community in New York and the graphics and the cut and sew and everything's a little wacky and coal and avant-garde, but still very streetwear in its own right. So that's like a, be another brand that we carry that I just think is cool to have and it actually sells pretty good for us and not many people carry it. And yeah. it's, that'd be another example of another brand that, that I was happy to get when we did. Yeah. When speaking of the storefront itself, August places itself as a polarizing storefront, allowing the brand to appeal to market consumers in an untapped market. Rod curated a visually pleasing storefront to rival his competitors and position the brand to appeal to the brand mix he also curates. When taking big risks and shots in the dark, many people want a form of certainty, the feeling of secureness, so they choose a more complacent and road-taking path. But Rob uses a very polarizing aspect of the store, his brand mix, to separate himself in a road not taken. That speaks of Rob's character, and distinguishing himself against competitors, he uses his shop and the brands carried within the shop as a way to speak on his and August's brand ethos. His love for the brands he carries and the polarizing storefront grants him that competitive advantage many boutiques try to find, but Rob and August accomplished it. If we were all like the same food, music, or clothes, none of us would ever have our own identity. But it's that autonomy and love to be our own unique brand that motivates us to separate. And that's what Rob has accomplished. He separated himself not only from the corporate world, from Puma and the foundation, but now in a new industry where everyone is vying for the same consumers. But the realization of sticking with your own ethos and your own brand ethos awarded Rob in a path many have yet to find. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about like having these different brands and being a part of 
Puma, which is where you were before you opened up Argus.、Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you, especially of listeners who want to pursue working in this corporation and this、mm-hmm. more corporate fashion industry? What was that experience、mm-hmm. like for you, and can you touch base on that here、sure. a little bit? Yeah, so I went to Puma. I was actually a buyer for I don't know a mid-sized like retail chain in the Metro Detroit area for a couple of years before I went to Puma, and before that I had been a sales rep at the foundation. So yeah, I always kind of thought that going to a corporate job was going to be. The holy grail, like the like, end all be all, basically. Yeah, you yeah. know, you get to a corporate job, and whether it's at Puma or one of the other big, you know, obviously Nike and Jordan, no,、mm-hmm. right? But like Adidas or one of these bigger, because why? You get great compensation package, bonuses, four hundred one k. You know, those two brands, all those three brands are in everyone's mouths all the time, especially in the industry. So stuff like that, yeah. Keep going so、though. so, but yeah, going to a corporate job, no matter what it is, I mean,、yeah. you're just gonna get more. You feel more. I don't know. Like I made it. Yeah. Like I have a real job, quote、yeah. unquote.、Mm-hmm. You know what I mean in that way. Not that like working at a boutique sales agency isn't a real job, but you know, you've got all this job security and it's at this corporate place and it feels a little bit more like you're established or something. And this is not a knock to Puma because corporate jobs are corporate jobs. Corporate jobs, yeah. And if you march the beat of your own drum or you're creative, it'd be hard to try to. Make you color inside the lines. Interesting, interesting.、Right? And I think I realize that my personality doesn't flow with what a corporate job, or at least would allow you to thrive in a corporate job. Interesting. Okay. And I'm not saying that all corporate jobs are shitty and they all look like this. No, I'm just saying from my experience and then from other people I've talked to who've worked in some of these bigger companies in our industry, there's some through lines there. Yeah. I was there for like a couple of years, and then I actually went back to working at the foundation. Interestingly enough, they had been hired to create as consultants, basically to help Under Armour create this kind of like a sports style、okay. division. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that, and then also how to position the Steph Curry franchise. Interesting.、Okay. Into a more, I don't want to use. Jordan Brand and and、but、Steph Curry's get, in the same, but, but like, get, like you know Steph Curry up until the LeBron James and Kobe Jordan of Nike be, basically that、yeah. would be a better that、yeah. would be a better comparison precisely、yeah. that so we did that and I think it was that for about a year and a half and it was during that time actually I think that I finally decided to pull the trigger on coming up with the August actually moving forward with August so yeah so working under like. Kind of these brands kind of gave you that motivation of well, why can't I do something to the beat of my own drum? Kind of get out of this idea of you're not isolated in a box because that's not all what corporations are. But kind of being able to, it sounds really corny as hell to say it, but like、mm-hmm. color outside the box a little bit here. And is that something that you're appreciative of now being able to do and having done that for about five years? Well, yeah, I mean it's definitely one of the upsides of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, is that you call the shots? Yeah, right. No one's going to tell you you can't do that. To up to, to a certain degree, yeah, up to a certain degree, you、yeah. know. But for the most part, it's your show. You're the main character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So that's definitely one of the upsides of of being you know a small business owner for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with that, and now owning a small business. I mean, this is another really cliche question to kind of ask, but I feel like it's an important question for especially people wanting to get to that point and、mm-hmm. being able to open up and being an entrepreneur themselves. Is 
what is that type of lessons that you have kind of learned along this way? And what are you still learning and trying to figure out day to day almost? Yeah. Trying to give advice yeah. for this. It's a little tough. It's, it's a little like tough. When someone who, who's about to have a kid who doesn't have kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you, you know, I've got a son, he's seven. But trying to explain parenthood yeah. to someone who doesn't have kids yet. Interesting. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. no way. You can give your best advice, but it's kind of, you got to just learn and have that experience. Is that kind of what, what you're going through? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm still going to give some advice, yeah. but I'm just saying it's so hard. You know, for the person listening, you might hear it, but man, there's just, no, <laughs> you'll find out, like, you know, if you decide to do something. But I would say that first and foremost, I mean, I think what benefit, I can, and I can, this is purely anecdotal. So it's something to speak from my own personal experience, but I've also seen this with yeah. my colleagues in the industry too. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of value to doing a lot of different aspects of the job or of the business or the thing that you want to create. Try to do your best to like get involved with as many different touch points mm. of that job or that industry mm -hmm. as you can. Mm -hmm. Because from my experience, being a sales rep, but also being a buyer kind of gave me two different points of view to kind of approach my business. Yeah. Right. So those were two things that I did. But when you're working at like a smaller boutique sales agency and branding agency, at least at the time they were a little small, they're flourishing. Now the foundation quite a lot bigger than when I started there, their business has been growing too, but learning these brand building principles mm. also kind of understanding what that looks like. Cause as a store owner, not everyone's going to start their own private label brand, but many of us do. You know, we have August merch that we sell, August yep. Aux, and almost every other retailer in our world, not every, but many of them do the same thing, yeah. right? So learning about that part as well. So I think that whatever it is you're choosing to do, I would just suggest trying to get, as, get your hands in as many different aspects of that field as you possibly can. And then it's got to be something that you love to do, yeah. that you really love. And that's why I think it's important to kind of get into a bunch of different aspects, just because you have to love it. You have to love be it. Because with the amount of stress involved in doing this job, yeah. you got to be able to take the ups and downs and be able to use positive psychology and Jedi mind when things are <laughs> fucked up, yeah. you know, and still find a way to turn that into a positive thing and persevere and get through that stuff because there'll be no shortage of that happening. The highs are great, but the lows are really, it, can, it gets tough. Yeah, it does. And, and if you don't love, if you really don't love this and you don't, there's jobs, there's careers, and then there's your passion. Your passions, right? yeah. And I think that for you to put a hundred, you have to be passionate and really love this thing that you want to do. Yeah. I just don't think you'd be able to persevere through the hard times if, mm -hmm. if this is something that you don't really feel is your calling. Your calling. You, you know yeah, what I mean? No, yeah, absolutely. And maybe that's a little heavy. I don't know. Maybe that's, but you kind of see what I'm saying? No, like, I get what you're saying, where it's kind of like you can like something that you do to a certain point, but if you don't love it and if you don't have that drive to be able to wake up every day and be, have that almost not be the first thought in the morning, but be able to at least kind of have that appreciation for it then you're not going to succeed to a point where someone else who does love it. Is that what, kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, every day it's a blessing. Every day is a new set of challenges. And like, you can't wait to get up and grind and do something cool and make somebody happy. And 
figure out ways to add on to your community in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So for me, that's what gives me my drive. So I, maybe for someone else, it's, it's something else. It's something but else, But I would yeah. just try, you got to figure out what that thing is. And that's, again, goes back, and I guess, I guess I'm probably sound like a broken record right now, but I would just explore a little mm. bit before you want to dive into something. Yeah. There's no reason. I mean, this is the time, and for any of like the, the younger listeners out there, this is your time to, to go out and explore and, yeah. and figure stuff out. Like, there's mm-hmm. no need to rush into it. Yeah, and then, I mean, talking about like exploration and probably one of the last topics we'll cover today is recently you and your lead photographer, Isaac Westberg, you guys went to Paris for Paris Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. And not only would I want you to touch basis on what that was like for you, but a lot of Paris Fashion Week is for brands to showcase their upcoming collections. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to forecast these certain trends of, all right, what's going to do well for us? What is that process like for you? Being able to like kind of have this almost market forecast of this is the product that's going to do good. And do you ever feel like you go through exploration of different products to see what would actually do well? And if it doesn't hit, well, it doesn't hit. Yeah. I think that kind of going back to what I was saying before is when you're doing this job, it's an addiction. I mean, sometimes to an unhealthy capacity. But you're just constantly looking and trying to absorb as much information as you can about retail strategy, up-and-coming brands, leadership techniques, graphic design concepts. Your mind is constantly scanning to learn. At least that's how it is for me. And that's why social media is so toxic for me. It doesn't let me power down. It's already... yeah. As a small business owner, you're already just on high alert, it feels like, all day. (laughs) So anyways, I'm getting a bit off topic here. But when you're going to like, whether it's Paris Fashion Week, you're going to New York, or whatever, we call it market. It's just when the brands go and show the upcoming collections for the new seasons. So you kind of already are primed. I mean, if you don't know what you're looking at or what, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what the fuck you've been doing then for the last (laughs) collection or, you know, year at that point. Right. Like you should probably have some rough idea of what you're looking for. Now, no one has the crystal ball. We can't tell exactly what's going to happen. Something could shift. A trend could come out of nowhere. And of course, you can just do your best. You know what I mean? And as that happens, you just are aware of it, pivot, try something new. I think that it's more for me, it's more from like a buying perspective of budget Interesting. than it is. I can tell you what I think is going to sell and what looks good, what I think will sell, what won't, what is off trend, what is like not going to move. But then it's just like when you're really going to put pen to paper, to me, that's the bigger challenge yeah. for me right now, especially in a business that's been growing. Yep. I don't really have, I don't even know what my benchmark is, to be honest with you, Uh because we've just been up every Mm -hmm. year, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if this is real, like, (laughs) meaning, of course it's real, but like an established retailer who's been in business 10, 15, 20 years or whatever more knows in my first quarter of the year, I want to make this much. Well, I typically am doing about this this much. much, Interesting. Yep. 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 I still don't really I'm mean, I look at numbers from last year but we're blowing the numbers from last year out of the water. Interesting. Yeah. So man, I don't really know 
I'm how gonna, to I'm going to write yourself. a little bit yeah. more then, I guess. <laughs> you know, and it's, so what, what I'm really talking about is called an open to buy. Okay. okay. It's called an open to buy. Okay. And this is where you would actually forecast. Mm-hmm. All right. Last year mm-hmm. in this quarter or year to date, we did X. Q2, we did this much money. Yep, yep. I'm buying for Q2 now yep. for next year. All right. So I expect my business is up, let's say 20% from last year. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. All right, we're going to remodel the store. I plan on making some adjustments to our ad strategy for e-commerce. You know what? I'm going to buy 30% more. Yeah. So now you know what your budget is. All right, well, now you're looking at a bunch of shoes on a line sheet. Yeah, and you got to pick and choose. Right, the size runs. Yeah. You're going to go back and look. You're going to talk to your staff. Yeah. Hey, guys, in women's. What do you think? Are we selling more sevens or seven and a halves? Are we missing any sizes? Hey, Rob, dude, we getting all these girls coming and asking for size tens. We got a bunch of big foot women in Madison, dude. Like we need more bigger sizes in women's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Noted. Yeah. No apologies to the women <laughs> in Madison. That was fictitious. <laughs> and if you don't have big feet, or if you have big feet, that's it's okay. O- that's okay. It's okay. We have, I'm uh, just, men's sizes are always available. Right. So <laughs> anyways, just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> but it's stuff like that. Yeah. To be so, that nitpicky, getting having to be just like really nitpicky about stuff, that's also important. Yeah. Just things like that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's going to, I mean, to me, that's the other part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to buy the right stuff. Yep. But you also want to buy it in the right quantities. Yeah. You don't want to overbuy. Yeah. And now what happens? You're going to go on sale. You're going to kill your margins. And you're going to become known as this place that shit goes on sale. Yeah. So it's a fine line to walk, especially when you're in a position where you're trying to grow your business and you don't really know exactly. And the best thing you can do is just stay a bit conservative. And, but so that was a very long winded and probably not the direct answer to your (laughs) question. But so, yeah, when you're going to these market weeks, you already have an idea in mind of what you're looking for. You kind of know where the trends are going. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep your eye open for some new brands yep. because you're seeing maybe another lane opening up in this type of aesthetic. Interesting. It's when you get back is when, again, when you're going to start to put pen to paper, that's when it becomes a whole nother piece of the puzzle. Interesting. Yep. All right, Rob, thank you for your time today. Before we finish off, you know, we have talked about these kind of risks and doing these whole different avenues. What's something and final thing of something to look forward to from August and something people should expect? Yeah, something to look forward to. Honestly, it's going to be the August Aux stuff. We plan on doing a lot more around that, especially now that as the pandemic has kind of been winding down over the last year, we can finally start doing more in-store and in-person events. So whether it's August Aux or whether it's going to be some type of information in-person information series that we do, which is something that I'm, that I'm kind of building on in the back of my mind right now to finally start doing more of these in-person events and info sessions. I'd say those would be some things that just to keep an eye out for it, but also we're consistently bringing in new brands. we got a lot of really great brands coming in for the back half of this year and, and the first quarter of next year too, stuff that you'd probably be surprised you'll see in Madison. So yeah, so stay tuned for that too. All Absolutely. Right. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew, and I want to thank Rob for taking the time to speak with me today. And to Sam Walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode. 
If any of your friends are interested in brand management or looking to innovate the fashion space, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Inamoto and at underscore August Shop. And find August Shop located on 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin, or on august-shop.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum. Thank you.